0: Welcome to done and done. I'm Alicia your hostess on this podcast journey all things Dominic Dunn, where nothing is linear and everything is connected. Friends thanks so much for joining me today for this little bit of a surprise episode. It turns out we had a terrific not done yet bonus episode over at patreon.com done and done this week. And this one was so good about the Grand Dames of Palm Beach, I wanted to make sure it went out to everyone. There are a lot of threads connected in this episode, not only with our Grand Dames, but their homes as well. Palm Beach really is some high society pie. For my Patreon folks, I know you just heard this, but a happy compromise for y'all. All this week, I will be dropping early and ad-free the remainder of all of our Palm Beach Chronicles episodes. All of those episodes will come for everyone here on the main feed next Saturday. They will all be dropping throughout this week early and ad-free on Patreon, though. I hope all you investigators enjoy this little bonus for you today, exploring some of the stuff we get into over on that Patreon feed. Thank you, everybody, again for tuning in, for telling your friends about Done & Done, and all your support. We'll be back next week with the whole Palm Beach Chronicles send-off spectacular. Until then, have a great week, everyone. And as always, stay curious and keep on investigating. Investigators, it's Alicia. I am not done yet talking about Palm Beach. Welcome to this episode of Not Done Yet. We're going to be talking about some grand dames of Palm Beach. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in and your support. I'm so excited about this month of our Palm Beach investigation. Thank you for all the good feedback and Your support of me and the podcast. I think you just rock. I'm trying to make it through the Palm Beach. Oh, God. All of it. uh, This month of February, because we definitely have new places to go come March and April. Grand Doms. We're going to go into a little bit of fun in this one. Ah, goodness. Grand Doms, the leaders in philanthropy and... Social Graces, Palm Beach definitely has some standout grand dames. Dominic Dunn talks to a few of them. We have talked about a few of this big top 10 list that I've got here a little bit within episodes that we've covered, but this piece is from the shiny sheet, the source bit is, and I thought it was simply perfect as we are working our way through Palm Beach, who would the shiny sheet say are the top 10 grand dames? Some we've talked about, some we haven't mentioned yet, but the stories and the real estate, y'all. Okay. The shiny sheet did have this list in a different order. I think it's like a Miss America and not in order of ranking. They were just kind of all there, but I've rearranged this list for our purposes. So number one of the top 10 grand dames, Sue Whitmore. Sue Whitmore, remember the Listerine heiress who raised millions for charitable donations, ranging from the Animal Rescue League to the Salvation Army. Sue Whitmore chaired the International Red Cross Ball at the Breakers for 21 consecutive years. In 1992, Good Samaritan Medical Center, named a coronary unit after Sue Whitmore, Again, countless awards were bestowed upon her. She twice received the Palm Beach Chamber of Commerce's one and only award. In the 1950s, remember, Sue Whitmore purchases a strip of Addison Meisner Colleges along the west end of Worth Avenue, which becomes known as Sioux City. Okay, that's one. We've talked about her, but important to bring her up. Next up. Ooh, one we've talked about a bunch, Mary Sanford. Remember, Mary Sanford arrives in Palm Beach in 1933. She settles into the palatial Villa Los Incas with her polo playing husband, Laddie. Oh, goodness. Mary Sanford wheelchair balls for Good Samaritan Hospital, as well as the Cartier Ball and the Fine Arts Festival, the April in Paris Benefit, the Bal de Art. And the American Cancer Society's Palm Beach Benefit, which Mary Sanford actually founds in the 1930s. Mary is a chairwoman at the Palm Beach Committee of the Flamingo Ball, which is an annual event at the Hylia Racetrack. Laddie and Mary, they do enjoy hunting. She will shoot grouse in Scotland, pheasants in Czechoslovakia. Tigers in India, and Lions in Africa. Remember before her entree into Palm Beach, Mary Sanford had been a Hollywood actress. Her name was Mary Duncan then, and her last film, Morning Glory, also starred Katherine Hepburn and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Third up on our list of grand These are the ones y'all already know. I just want to make sure I'm mentioning everybody to give everybody their fair due, but there are a few coming up that hold on to your socks. Okay, third up on the Grand Dame list, Lily Pulitzer. This is Lillian Lee McKim, Pulitzer Rousseau, again known as Lily. What did Dominic say was said about her? Everyone loves Lily. Lily was a former New York socialite who goes on to become a fashion icon. Remember, Lily opens a Worth Avenue juice stand when married to her first husband, that dirty, dirty dog, Peter Pulitzer, who had all those orange groves. From that point on, I'm reading now from the shiny sheet, Lily's signature tropical print, Shift Wooden Show Juice Stains, was born. Like, the Lily Shift is a big deal. Oh, goodness, customers... Included such friends, right, such as then first lady Jacqueline Kennedy, Lily Pulitzer boutiques open across the country. She was known, Lily was seriously, for her laid back approach to living and spending days at her home. Her home is nicknamed the jungle just because of its lush and natural surroundings. The pictures of the home that she had is extraordinarily beautiful. Lily was involved with numerous charities and in 2008 was honored as a Woman of Distinction by Palm Beach Atlantic University. We all remember that Lily did remarry to the late Enrique Rousseau, and Lily was content with her gardens and her grandkids and her advocacy of animal protection when a licensing deal put her at fashion's forefront again. Different story, different day, but Lily Pulitzer, big deal. Her home is really kind of a hot spot for her and Peter's kids for ah, Palm Beach for a lot of years. Lily Pulitzer, big deal. Her mother, Lillian Bostwick, is a big deal. She's going to come back around in our story before too long. Let's see. What are we on? Number four. Number four and number five kind of go together. Number four in our Grand Dame list is Marjorie Merriweather Post. Now, a few fun things here before I get into the shiny sheet. We are going to talk about Marjorie Merriweather Post a bit this week on Saturday's main feed episode when we visit Marlago. Remember, Marjorie Merriweather Post has a daughter, Dina Merrill, as well. It is Dina Merrill who is married to Cliff Robertson who was involved in that whole David Bagelman check cashing scandal that gets Dominic Dunn kind of onto his third act in 1978. Go back and listen for a little bit. I'm pretty sure we did a Not Done Yet on that one a while ago. I will be bringing that story back up again in this week's episode, and there may be an additional Not Done Yet bonus coming too. Shiny Sheet. About Marjorie Merriweather Post says this, Serial heiress and multimillionaire Marjorie Merriweather Post relished square dances and even had a pavilion at her mar lago home specifically for those square dances. Guests at her high-profile charity events included ambassadors and royals and seasonal palm beachers. They enjoyed cocktails, buffet-style dinner and dancing on a parquet floor. They were teased to benefit the Animal Rescue League and parties for the Good Samaritan Hospital. Fun little fact here, Marjorie Merriweather-Post was the first honorary chairwoman of the first international Red Cross ball. In the 1960s, Marjorie welcomes her friends, Lady Bird Johnson, who is First Lady. She'd come down and hang down a bunch, Lady Bird being the wife of then-President Lyndon Baines Johnson. Marjorie managed as many as, get a load of this, y'all, 300 full and part-time staff members. What? Can you imagine having 300 people just working in your home garden estate? 300 people just to keep you going? Wow, that's incredible. Marjorie was also the first to have her own plane, her own private plane. This plane was called the Meriwether. Now, Marjorie Meriwether Post might not have been like the greatest boss if you weren't into like strict order of things. According to the shiny sheet, her eccentricities reportedly included having her domestic staff measure place settings with a ruler to ensure uniformity, she also don't expect to drink because marjorie is a teetotaler who reportedly limited her guests to one libation before her dances at marlago marjorie was the daughter of c w post who invented the coffee substitute postum and the cereals such as Grape nuts and post toasties go back and listen to god that episode on trashy divorces many many moons ago marjorie who is a Michigan native, does live in the 118 room, 118 rooms, y'all, lago from 1927 when it was completed until her death at the age of 86 in 1973. In December of 1939, Marjorie's husband and former ambassador to Russia and Belgium, Joseph E. Davies, was named a special assistant to the Secretary of State. Again, more on Marjorie coming, but she is definitely a high society, Palm Beach, grand dom. Now, here's the one we're going to talk about, number five on our list, who is the sister-in-law to Marjorie Merriweather Post. This is Jesse Donahue. Jesse Donahue is heiress to the Woolworth Five and Dime fortune. She will host parties for the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Her home, Jessie's was, is a 45,000 square foot home? Sure, mansion. Salito Lindo, which translates to a little bit of heaven. This home, Salito Lindo, was designed by Marion Sims Waith and completed also in 1927 along with her sister-in-law's home. Kind of a little parallel there. I do have a little bit on Salito Lindo here. Uh, Dime store heiress Jesse Woolworth Donahue and her husband James built Salito Lindo, a little bit of heaven, in 1927. Waith designed the 45,000 square foot Spanish Moorish style South Ocean Boulevard Ocean to Lake Estate which was said to be Palm Beach's grandest estate after mar lago The house had a three-story tower, a 30-by-50-foot living room, six master bedrooms, ten staff rooms above the garage, and a house for the gardener and the chauffeur. In 1949, the house and property was divided into five separate houses and properties, The cut for King's Road runs through the former living room. This is one of the avenues in Palm Beach. The tower section was converted into an 82,000 square foot home, including four bedrooms, four baths, staff quarters, paneled 15 foot high ceilings, and you'd hope in a tower section, an elevator. Huzzah. Check that off the list. Here's what's interesting, though. The original living room was picked up and moved <laughs> to 123 Kings Road. House number three of that lot used to be the kitchens of the original house. Its fireplace was once an incinerator flew. Goodness. House number four was the five-car garage. That's now located at 137 Kings Road, the last home that was in that five subdivided Properties is 145 Kings Road, which used to be the chauffeur's home. So, Jessie Donahue, sister-in-law to Marjorie Merriweather Post. Number six on our list, I'm only mentioning here because she is going to be coming back around. Number six on our grand dame list, CZ Guest. Holy cat, CZ Guest, a longtime member of the International Best Dress lists and Time cover figure in 1962, old CZ Guest was one of society's most accomplished and relaxed hostesses. Who does CZ host? Everyone. Doris Duke, Babe Paley, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. CZ, if you remember from Dominic Dunn writing about her, really does have quite a Expansion in her life moving down to Palm Beach. She'll write several gardening books. So CZ guest coming. Hold on to that. It's not gonna take too terribly long for her to make some more appearances. Number seven on our list of grand dames. Kind of fun to mention here. We brought her up in the last episode, Estee Lauder. Cosmetics Titan, right? Estee Lauder was very philanthropic. She's also a really smart businesswoman. She had a gift for innovation. Her first face creams were mixed on her kitchen stove. And she is, Estee is, the one who develops the ever-popular concept of free gift with purchase. Estee Lauder's husband Joseph and she were active, very active, on the island's social scene. They returned each year to give and attend a bevy of parties and play bridge with their close friends. If you were an attendee at one of those local galas, you would probably be leaving with a goodie bag filled with Estee Lauder stuff. Kind of a fun fact here in 1998, Estee Lauder was the only woman on Time magazine's list of the 20 most influential business geniuses of the 20th century. Only woman. Este's philanthropy was widespread. She's a super familiar presence on the Palm Beach social scene. Estee Lauder will establish the Cancer Ball and chair several other balls as well during her time, including the Ball to Art and the Hospital Ball. I think that's number seven. Okay. 8, 9, 10. 8, 9, 10 have got a little bit of story and real estate attached to them. Let's talk about Grand Dame 8. Eva Stotesbury. We haven't really talked about her yet, but it's kind of a fascinating story. Eva Stotesbury is the wife of Philadelphia banker Edward T. Stotesbury. Eva is a society doyenne from 1917 until the 1940s. Eva Stotesbury is so impressed with the Everglades Club when that's built. That EVA will hire its architect, Addison Meinsner, to build El Mirasol, one of the grandest Palm Beach mansions on 40 ocean to lake acres. So that's the thing with an island. The thing that is impressive in Palm Beach is the ocean to lake estates, meaning All of the real estate from the left side over on the west where you can see Lake Worth to the east side where you can see the ocean, the whole thing, ocean to lake. El Mirasol is a big damn deal. 40 ocean to lake acres. In addition on El Mirasol, there's an orange grove and a zoo. Hold on. Oh, goodness. Eva will host Edward's annual birthday bash with more than 1,000 guests. Featuring Edward playing a drum, he played as a drummer boy in the Civil War. So that sounds like a fun party time activity. Early in the war, Ava Stotesbury was honorary president of Bundles for Britain, which knitted 5,000 garments that were shipped to troops in Europe. Stotesbury called friends for tea at her home to form the Friends of the Arts and Crafts, which was later shortened to the Society of the Arts. The Society of the Arts still active in Palm Beach. They bring music to the area and foster arts within the Palm Beach scene. I have another little bit, though, from the shiny sheet staff writer. I'm not sure who to credit on this. Uh, The title of this piece, though, y'all, just get ready for this. Palm Beach History... El Mirasol, where parties bloomed like sunflowers. What? Okay, El Mirasol. Built in 1919, the Palm Beach mansion known as El Mirasol sat on the eastern side of some 40 acres of the estate of Ned and Ava Stotesbury. The mansion was demolished following Ava Stotesbury's death in 1946 and the land replatted for smaller houses. Just after World War I ends... We're looking at, hey, Spanish flu pandemic. The uber-rich couple built a 147-room estate in Philadelphia. That's fine. They finished that house. Then they head down to Palm Beach by train, naturally, to move into another new mansion that had just completed. Now, El Mirasol is smaller <laughs> than the 300-acre Philadelphia estate the massive Palm Beach winter home of Edward T. Ned and Ava Stotesbury will cause a sensation in 1920. Sure, it was big. Dozens of rooms, a 40-car garage, y'all, and a zoo, among other things. But it was also the island's first grand-scale mansion built in the Mediterranean Revival style that would soon distinguish Palm Beach. El Mirasol, translates to the sunflower, and also changes the island's lifestyle. All the fun that's happening, the affluent fun, had revolved around winter staying and playing at lavish hotels, okay? This is from Flagler to, I don't know, you went to the Breakers, you went to the Royal Poinciana, you went to one of the hotels that was around, There's this incredible boom of building and development, which is probably a separate episode. I haven't researched it's really fascinating with the whole Greenwich, Connecticut scene moving down into Palm Beach, the late teens through the 1910s, early 20s for sure is definitely where it's happening. People are no longer staying at hotels. The Joneses are moving on up, but in this case, the Joneses are the Munns, remember Dorothy Munn, the Phippses, Ogden Phipps, who marries Lily Pulitzer's mom, the Wanamakers, the Wanamakers department store big deal. The Wanamakers build the home that Joe Kennedy will buy in the 30s. All of these people, the Munns, the Phippses, the Wanamakers, all of these tightly knit high society families want these Mediterranean revival giant homes by Addison Meinsner too. And they'll soon get them. So, if a new era with Il Marisol's 1920 debut, then maybe Ground Zero was the housewarming party that celebrated it. More than 150 wealth packing guests were invited. None could have imagined the era would end in 25 years. The February 26, 1920 housewarming party was about more than just christening a trend-setting behemoth. It was also financier Ned Stokesbury's birthday, an affair Ava had always aggrandized in honor of her VIP husband, who was the head of Drexel and Company and a JP. Morgan partner. Old Ned will be worth $100 million by 1927. So as guests stream into the housewarming party via the lower-level side entrance of the palatial home, Ned and Ava awaited one level above to greet them, along with Ava's daughter from her first marriage, Louise Cromwell, who in 1922, just two short years at El Mirasol, will marry General Douglas, MacArthur, y'all, it's all connected. (laughs) Nothing's linear, it all connects. If you don't know how it connects, we just haven't researched enough. Okay, so imagine, it must have been quite a production on Back to Shiny Sheet, as all Stotesbury parties at El Mirasol would be in years to come. The estate required dozens of butlers, chamber and parlor maids, cooks, gardeners, and housemen to keep it running. The grounds included gardens, a Moorish-style tea house, a tropical bird aviary, and what is described as a zoo since, among other things, monkeys had a home there. There is a chicken run as well that provides daily fresh eggs and broilers. Now, the Stoatsburys don't just come to Palm Beach in 1920 like, hey, we're brand new in town. They weren't new to Palm Beach. They had been making annual winter sojourns to Palm Beach since their 1912 honeymoon, which they spent at the Breakers. The Stoatsperys were known to entertain friends lavishly, with Ava bedecked neck to waist in ropes of natural pearls. When an acquaintance questioned her constant wearing of pearls, even with informal wear, (laughs) Ava Stoatspery said, reportedly, I used to feel that way too but that was before I had the pearls. (laughs) These Stoatsberries, a little bit of a love story here, first met in 1910. Ned was in his early 60s and a widower of many years. Ava was 45 and a widow of one month. Ava was known for being theatrically poised, wide-set gray eyes, smooth skin, dimpled cheeks, and a slightly upturned nose and said to relish lots of beautiful things. At the El Mirasol housewarming, guests first passed through an impressive hall with ancient portraits, this is in quotes, before climbing a regal flight of stairs to a cloistered great court, then a vast living room flanked by dining and music rooms. Throughout were tapestries, paneled ceilings, and centuries-old Spanish furnishings in tune with El Mirasol's architecture. As guests approached Ned and Ava, everyone was anxious to have a word with her, quote-unquote, notes an observer. She was the gracious hostess personified, seeing that everyone received proper attention. Guests at the housewarming luncheon were free to roam and thronged various rooms and spilled onto a stone-fountain-accented terrace, looking out to the ocean. Gifts and cards were piled high for Ned. Ava had thrown parties for Ned in Palm Beach before. In 1918, there was a party at the Palm Beach Country Club, a luncheon followed by Ava's (laughs) taking guests on a tour of the empty land slated for El Mirasol. (laughs) All while, Italian baritone Antonio Scotti reportedly sang live in the background these people know how to party. At the 1920 birthday house-swarming fete for El Mirosol, the party shifted after the late lunch to watch a plane-flying exhibition arranged to take place on nearby grounds between Dunbar Road and Wells Road. After stiff winds stimmed that, the Stotesbury party went and danced, to an orchestra at the Alfresco Coconut Grove of the Breakers, then opposite sister hotel, the now-gone Royal Poinciana. We're going to have to come back and talk about the coconut groove, that coconut groove, in detail in Palm Beach one of these days. All right, there would be, naturally, many more parties at El Mirasol in years to come, including <laughs> the legendary... 1,200 guests. Strong birthday parties for Ned, again the former Civil War drummer boy who'd play his drum at parties and sing. Times do change though. Again, after World War II, when Ava devoted much of her time to local Red Cross efforts, the massive homes such as El Marisol were becoming kind of a big headache. They were too expensive to maintain and a new generation wanted to live a little bit less formally than those older estates. Ned, poor Ned, will suffer financial reversals in the 1930s. He dies in 1938. Ava later hocks her jewelry and some of the couple's art and furniture collections. After her 1946 death, an El Mirasol estate sale... Everything must go, that's literally what it says posted outside, 4,000 people pay two bucks apiece to enter the home to bid on the 1,000 plus items available. At least at that, everything must go sale in Palm Beach. Auctions were also held at the Stoatsbury's Philadelphia Estate. What happened to El Mirasol? It was demolished in 1959, and the property later became subdivisions containing dozens of homes. All that is left of that magnificent property is a fountain, which is located on a private property and a tiled entrance arch. Okay, I think we got two more grand dames. Let's talk about this fascinating lady, Anita O'Keefe Young. Anita O'Keefe Young is the sister of artist Georgia O'Keefe and widow of railroad magnate Robert Young. Anita hosts notables such as the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Anita will shorthand them the DDW in her household notes. She will also host Jacqueline and John F. Kennedy, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., everybody, everybody. Anita builds a home called Mont Sorrel. Which translates into Mountain of Sorrow. It features a heated saltwater pool, fourteen main rooms, heated marble floors in the master bath, his and her cabana baths. Montsorel sits on the former site of the towers. This is an Addison Mizner-designed home that Anita raises to the ground after her husband shot himself there despondent about a plunging stock market. John J. Tackett writes a little bit more about Anita and her magnificent Palm Beach estate, Monssorel. Okay, Monsorrel is well known locally, not so much known kind of internationally, but let me give you kind of the idea here. Monsorrel was completed in 1969 after five years of planning and construction designed by French architect Jacques Regnault and Stéphanie Boudin of the legendary interior design firm Maison Jansen, Boudin died in 1967 without seeing the project complete. Regnault and Jansen were frequent collaborators with the most visible U.S. project, being the building for society jeweler Harry Winston on Manhattan's Fifth Avenue. Montsorel is an oceanfront estate, 608 feet of private beach, sits on seven acres, though some reports say 15 acres, with perhaps the discrepancy being that the property is on both sides of North County Road. There are also variations on the square footage, from 35,000 square feet to 44,000 square feet for the main house, it goes from 12K to 16K for the later guest house entertainment pavilion. There are also additional service buildings and a caretaker's gatehouse. It's immense, it's luxurious. It did go on sale. I want to say this is 2011 with an offer price of 75 million. It was once the most expensive home in the nation. It's not anymore. Hold on to your hats for that story because it's coming. The original owner, Anita O'Keefe Young, was the widow of Robert R. Young. They had started the project together, but Mr. Young shot himself in 1965 in the house that was previously on the property. Local legend blames the suicide on an impulse after a mistaken belief that he had lost his fortune. Mrs. Young named the estate Montsorel in his memory. The main house sits on a slight rise, and the name does translate to Mountain of Sorrow. Robert R. Young was a Texas-born businessman who had a successful Wall Street career before becoming a railroad baron, heading both the Chesapeake and Ohio Railway and the New York Central Railroad. Robert R. Young introduces high-speed diesel-powered passenger trains as well as the first large-scale railroad computer system. Anita and Robert, they do have one child, Eleanor Cookie Young. She is the first of the Great Depression era glamour debutantes. Cookie Young was presented in 1936 at their Newport, Rhode Island estate. By 1938, Cookie was a 21-year-old divorcee after an eight-month marriage to socialite Robert Ogden Bunty Bacon. Poor Cookie, just, it gets more terrible from here. She was killed in 1941 in a plane crash. Mountain of sorrow, you're not kidding. Anita O'Keefe Young is the sister of painter Georgia O'Keefe. She was a noted hostess and philanthropist, close friend of the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, I got a lot of details on the house, but it is fancy, y'all. Fancy pants. Mrs. Young, Anita Does Die in 1985. The contents of her monsorel, along with her palatial Newport summer estate, fair home. Just put that in your pipeline. We are coming back to Newport. That's going to be a little bit later down this year's road. Fairholm was the estate she had then in Newport. These two, Monsorel and Fairholm, were sold in two celebrated auctions at Sotheby's. Anita had an earlier Newport home there, Oker Lodge, that she donated to Salve Regina University in 1966. When Monsorel was first listed for sale, it went up for $18 million. It was the most expensive house to that date in the eastern United States. What is this? But the high taxes and the expense to maintain the estate does make the house a little less than appealing. In the spring of 1987, Monsoro will sell for $13.5 million. The home, it does remain a private home today. Can't see much of it. Tall hedges, you know, you can't really get a view of the main house but a glimpse of the circa 1990 Guesthouse Entertainment Pavilion across the road can be seen down the driveway. Some might find the satellite views of 548 and 548 North County Road interesting, however. Kind of see it from that point of view. Fairholm was on Ruggles Avenue in Newport. That was listed on the market last year for $18 million. Incidentally, that Harry Winston, located at 718 5th Avenue in New York City, that 1959 alteration of an earlier building provided an identity for Harry Winston and has been duplicated in each of their stores worldwide since then. Oh, Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Poor Anita. All right. The last of our Grand dames. Don't have a ton about her, but her house is legendary, and we know who owned that at some point. So let's talk about Mona Williams. The then-wife of utilities magnate Harrison Williams, old Mona Williams was declared the best-dressed woman in the world by leading designers in 1933. Mona Williams, her life revolves around Blythe Dunes the couple's Palm Beach home that they converted into a 18th century French showplace, complete with parquet de Versailles floors from the Palais Royal in Paris. <sighs> the next sentence here doesn't even give you all you need to know. It was demolished in 1985. Okay, Blythe Dunes was the most amazing house ever. Blythe Dunes has another owner. In between Mona Williams and its demolition, and we know her, Jane Reitzman. Jane Reitzman, wife of Charles Reitzman, BFF to Jacqueline Kennedy, also mother-in-law of Igor Cassini, brother to Oleg Cassini, who Jane Reitzman is how Jacqueline gets with Cassini for all of her inauguration White House close. I've got to tell you all that story. It all connects. Okay. This is from, again, the shiny sheet, uh, from February of 2017 on the death of Jane Reitzman, but this is about the Blythe Dunes home. The death a week ago of New York socialite and art collector Jane Reitzman at age 99 reminded us of Blythe Dunes, The long-gone Palm Beach house she and her late husband, Oklahoma oil man Charles Reitzman, shared at 513 North County Road. The six-acre property, with a different house, was later owned by President Donald Trump years before he moved into the White House. I don't even know how to tell you this story. I'm going to read the shiny sheet thing, but whoa, whoa. In July of 2008, during a real estate boom that preceded the Great Recession, Trump sold the estate to Russian fertilizer magnate Dmitry Robolev for a recorded 95 million dollars. It is still the highest dollar single buyer deal in Palm Beach history. Do y'all remember the Russian oligarch who spent a lot more money for a house? This was focused. Uh, Rachel Maddow on her show focused on this years ago. Like, this home has been in contention. We're going to talk about this home a little bit more adjacent to our mar lago episode because, oh, good Lord. Okay, hold on. Let's see if we can get through the story. I get so excited. Okay. The original estate had a house designed in 1917 by Miami architect H. Hastings Mundy for Robert Dunn Douglas of Dunn and Bradstreet fame. In 1930, the residence was remodeled and expanded by noted society architect Maurice Faccio for utility magnate Harrison Williams, at the time the richest man in the world, and his wife Mona. Faccio changed the style from Italian to British colonial and created a 25-by-50-foot living room. Jane and Charles Reitzman enter the picture in 1947, they buy the house furnished for a reported, listen to this turnaround, $170,000 and then transform it into a true Palm Beach showstopper. As reported by social historian Augustus Mayhew in a 2011 Daily News article, Jane Reitzman, quote, retained French decorator Stéphane Boudin to convert Blythe Dunes into a 17th- and 18th-century French showplace, complete with parquet of Versailles floors from the Palais Royal in Paris. Later, decorator Henri Samuel stepped in, and then even later, the New York and Paris firm of Denning and Forcade. Interior photographs in the collection of the Historical Society of Palm Beach County show colorful rooms with floral carpets, Chinese wallpaper, a variety of chandeliers and extensive woodwork, including deep moldings and French-style boiserie. Furnishings included French antique chairs, settees, and chaise lounges. Okay, now here's the shit that goes down, y'all. Jane Reitzman sells Blythe Dunes in 1985, the year before her husband's death. Who does she sell her beloved home to? Les Wexner, then CEO of The Limited. <sighs> Jane Reitzman sells Blythe Dunes for $10 million. Before the estate sells, the Reitzmans file with the town a plan to subdivide the estate with about 473 feet of oceanfront into nine lots, but that subdivision was never implemented. Because what happens? Wexner comes in, he's coming in. So Dominic Dunn writes about this. We're going to talk about it in this week's episode. Wexner comes in at the same time Trump does in the early 80s. And Palm Beach is not happy, but Wexner pisses everybody off because Wexner just demolishes the house. No permits, no permission. He just tears down Blythe Dunes. Like one day it's there overnight and then it's not there anymore. And Les Wexner will embark on building his own showplace. But Les Wexner reportedly leaves town after Palm Beach officials irked him by refusing to let him open a limited on Worth Avenue. So Wexner, in and out, he'll sell the estate for $12.8 million. I'm sorry, $12.08 million to the late nursing home mogul Abe Gossman. He completed Abe did the house, but he'll lose it in 2004 in a bankruptcy auction to Donald Trump. Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein were in both in this auction to get this house that Grossman builds. It's called Maison Diamite. It is terrible. I looked up the square footage why can't I um it is a it is a colossal hot hot mess this home it's terrible Trump Epstein fight for it Trump gets it pays 41.4 million Trump carries out some renovations on the property he says he does 3 million his representatives will say he did whatever 23 million whatever Trump sells the house to Russian oligarch, Roblyev. In the summer of 2016, Robolev wins permission to raise the house and now subdivide the property into three lots of about two acres each. Two of those, addressed as 515 and 535 North County Road, have sold for a combined, what, $71.34 million, according to the prices recorded with the Deeds. With 150 feet on the beach, the middle parcel at 525, North County Road remained for sale. It was listed at 42 million. This is the Russian oligarch money laundering home, because Trump buys it for, like 41 million and sells it for, like, I don't know, 128 million. Not at all worth the three million he put into renovations. It's all very, very shady. Let's see, two oceanfront mansions are rising on the lots that have already been sold, including one on the south (laughs) with television celebrity Dr. Oz as a next-door neighbor. Like so many other noteworthy Palm Beach houses that never earned landmark protection, Blythe Dunes today is only a memory. The original home there was incredible. They got, I mean, Wexner just tore it all down. Let's see, for those who visited the Reitzman Mansion, the memory may include examples from the couple's renowned collection of fine art and French decorative arts. The Reitzman Galleries at New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art are named for them. Mayhew noted in a 1984 House and Garden magazine article which speculated that Dunes, with its security system worthy of the Met, may well have sheltered more great works of art than any other house in the United States. Oh, goodness. Grand Doms. Mona Williams. Jane Reitzman, kind of a big deal, too. Dorothy Spreckles-Munn, coming for ya. Anita O'Keefe Young. Ava Stotesbury, Estee Lauder. CZ Guest. Jesse Donahue. Don't forget about her sister-in-law, Marjorie Merryweather. post Oh, Lily Pulitzer. Everybody loves Lily. Mary Sanford Sue Whitmore. I know that was a lot of information in one little not done yet. But I really wasn't done yet talking about the Grand Dames. We are going to be back this Saturday with the presidential White House special. Pretty fun and maybe something else. I really am trying to get everything into our sunny, sandy shores this month in February before we move over directions a bit. Again, thank you, thank you, all of you, for listening, your support being awesome. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. You rock. Stay tuned. Every early episode coming for you at some point on Friday. Big love to y'all. Have an amazing rest of the week. Oh, yeah. And until we meet again, stay curious keep on investigating friends. Big love. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Dun and done podcast, a Hemlock creatives production. You can email us at done at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at dunanddunpodcast podcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.dunanddun.com See you next week, friends.